0: So, good afternoon, friends. Wondering how you are in this moment and all the different mind moments you've been through today, the ups and the downs of a day in the life of a retreat. One practice I do. <clears throat> more in workshops than retreats, but sometimes it's it's, it's a nice thing to do on retreats. Um, and it's a way for me to read a group since I can't really read you through the Zoom screen. I can sort of, but not really. So as I ask uh, for you to do a three-word check-in, and there's, um, so I'll just guide you through it. So we take a moment to sense our body. This is an instant mindfulness practice. Sense your body. And one word that speaks to your body, that's the the general sense of the physical experience. And then sense your heart. One word that describes your emotional mood state in this moment. And then one word, then shift your attention to your mind. And one, one word that would describe the quality of your mind in this moment. And so with that, if you would like just to, in the chat, um, Carlito, if you could turn the the chat on to everyone, for everyone to post to everyone. Um, and just get a little sense what's, what's here. And as you write, and then as you take a moment to read what's here, field, Interesting sense of kind of range of experience. The bodies are creaky, tingly, relaxed, warm, calm, tired, alive, anxious. And the hearts are quiet, opening, tranquil, hesitant, lonely, content, achy, open, sad. Minds are striving, curious, relaxed, bright, weary, appreciative, clear, fatigued, content, alert. And many other things, I'm sure that's a one-word check-in that doesn't really allow us to fully, of course, speak to the dimensionality of our experience. And as, you, as you're reading through those, you might just notice, how oh, how is my experience being spoken to? Maybe someone's expe- speaking to exactly what you're feeling in the sit or in the morning or whenever. And if we wrote that again, you might put three different words. Because our experience actually can change quite quickly, so can, that can be a useful practice to just kind of get a sense of where am I in this moment. Sometimes at the end of a sit, or actually more helpful, beginning of a sit, you take your seat. Ah, just what's what's the weather weather report here? body, heart, mind. And then from that place of knowing, of awareness, then it's like, okay, so what, what's needed if my body's tired, my mind is restless, my heart is sad, how might I enter into and, and work with what's here than just you know starting uh, without that knowing? So so I want to acknowledge your practice again today, appreciating uh, the the work that you're doing on this retreat. It's been lovely to meet with you both in the big group and also in small groups, Get to know you a little and where you're from and your practice and really appreciating the questions and the inquiry and just, how much you're really showing up for a retreat, you know in you know not ideal conditions um, you know we're not in the cozy cloister of spirit rock embraced in that beautiful land and beautiful buildings and community, but we are in community, we're just it's virtual, and we're you know doing making the most of this time um, and so. You know, and finding that inner support and also that way to practice in our homes, which, you know, in dialoguing with some of you, that quite challenging. You know, noise with the neighbors, and wanting to renovate your house, and wanting to clean rather than go walking, or wanting to <laughs> do a little internal decoration or something. Um, so dealing with the cats or the kids or whatever else is around. So, and then the irony, of course, of dealing with tech—you know—we we so often advocate in the meditation world to be mindful of your tech use and to minimize your screen time—and here we are, you know, not exactly forcing you, but um, encouraging you to be showing up at least, you know, many hours a day. And some of you don't have the easiest time with internet connection, bandwidth with devices and connection blinking in and out and all of the the kind of agitation that comes from that. So, and of course, you know, certainly in my experience, having had many challenges with tech in the last few months and terrible internet service here and my computer dying last month and um, losing thousands of files that, that my computer just decided to <laughs> self-select to delete. Um, you know, it's challenging and triggering. And, um, and so, we, you know, so we're often practicing, we're practicing through this medium of Zoom and tech and the, the very medium that might actually be quite triggering and challenging. So we have to work with our minds. So I want to talk a little more about awareness today and uh, give some context to the practice that we're doing and and moving to this more open sensory awareness and and exploration of awareness itself. And I wanna um, start with a quote from teacher uh, Anam Tubton tibetan teacher based in the east bay and he says the paradox of awareness is very profound and yet very simple it can't be described because it has no objective qualities and no limitation sometimes it comes naturally to the surface when we're fully in the present and no longer lost in thought or mental projections Pure awareness is neither high nor low, neither pleasant nor unpleasant, neither good nor bad. No matter where we are, no matter what we are doing, we always have immediate access to that inner stillness. It can be experienced in an instant in all circumstances once we know how to pay attention to it. It is utterly peaceful and it is insightful as it sees through illusions Whenever there's a moment of being deluded, we can use that moment to practice settling in the very perfect sphere of this awake mind without trying to change anything. When we reside in this liberated mind, we find the very thing that we've been seeking all along. When we rest in this awake mind, we seek the very thing that we've been seeking all along. This is a very common theme amongst spiritual teachers of many different lineages, that the thing that we're seeking, that which is looking, that which we're looking for is that which is doing the looking, is doing the searching, no further than our own presence, our own awareness. So I want to just talk a little about my journey Um with this exploration, I think it has some some teaching points in it, um, and maybe you can think about your own journey. Some of you have been meditating for a long time—five, ten, twenty plus years—and I know when I first started meditating, um, you know, it was it was it was world changing for me, life changing to see this presence of mind, this knowing quality of attention that had the capacity to illuminate that can also be directed and cultivated and turned to know our experience. Right? When, when using that, using mindful awareness to know the mind, for me was, was profound. It completely disrupted my life i dropped out of college i dropped out of the worlds that i was in and that became kind of a um, my focus was to really understand both the mind and that which is illuminating it and one of the teachings i first learned from that from that t- tradition was the buddha's teaching on inclining the mind which i've you know, kept very much as a as a kind of a home teaching, right? this line that he says, whatever the mind frequently dwells and ponders upon, that becomes the inclination of the mind and heart. Right? What our mind, what our attention, what awareness is attending to has a profound effect on our mind, body, perspective, heart. And as a journeyed in this uh practice and meditation and moved into the retreat center and spent a lot of time in meditation retreat um you know there was a lot of amazing qualities started to arise quite unprompted for me not out of the the (laughs) fruit of my practice but out of somewhere came um a lot of um very expansive qualities of mind, rapturous, blissful. And it was, again, quite illuminating to see this, the, the capacity of the mind, the capacity of awareness to hold all of that. And then I was in India studying um, with uh, Christopher, my Vipassana teacher, and then also began studying with a teacher called Punjaji who is an Advaita Vedanta teacher, sometimes known as Papaji, and who's in the lineage of Ramana Maharshi. And um, much of his teaching was on pointing people back to the nature of mind, to seeing that which we're seeking is the one that's doing the seeking, that which we're looking for is the one that's doing the looking. He says meditation is to effortlessly turn the mind towards that energy, that presence that's energizing the mind, to turn towards the source, turn towards what's knowing, what's naturally wakeful and present and already here. There was a mantra that happened in in the the months that I was there, on the years of the years, many years going back to see him, There was a mantra where people would say, I I, I found something, I realized something, I realized the nature of mind with you, and I went home and I lost it. And he said, what is there to lose? If it's your very nature, what is there to gain or to lose? There's a line, I forget whether this is from the Buddha or from a Mahayana text where where the awakened one says, I have gained absolutely nothing from complete, unexcelled, unparalleled enlightenment. Gain nothing because it's already here. So, and I then practiced many years uh, with various Dzogchen teachers in Tibetan tradition. And that tradition particularly is oriented towards understanding the nature of mind, the nature of awareness, and very sophisticated and subtle practices exploring the nature of awareness itself, learning how to recognize and abide in this pure quality of knowing, of presence. And then later studying with Joseph Goldstein, who was also at the time exploring his Zogchen teachings. And I think Devin mentioned it. His, 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 he has a book and a body of teaching around one Dharma, finding the, the unifying principle that runs through these thread of different Dharma lineages. And so... In those teachings and those practices, you know, this fundamental orientation of shining the light of awareness upon itself, of being present to the radiant quality of mind that's naturally luminous, naturally wakeful, naturally clear, ever present. and then for many years after that my my practice really moved outside and continuing that that exploration of awareness that nature of the mind that illuminates experience self-existing self-luminous and seeing how in nature when we're outside it points, it invites, it evokes many of the qualities that these various Buddhist teachings are pointing to. When we go outside, we feel often a natural sense of spaciousness, of boundlessness, of openness. We generally don't have to try hard to be present. There's a natural wakefulness comes. Our senses wake up our sensory body wakes up. And so that we can tune into what's, what um, Achan um, uh, Buddhadasa called natural samadhi. Right? So we the first day we were cultivating more of a samadhi practice where we're, you know, purposefully focusing, concentrating the mind. And when students and monks and nuns would go and study with him. He lived in this beautiful forest monastery that I've been to. It's called Wat Swan Mok, Garden of Liberation, beautiful Southern Thailand forest jungle monastery. And there was lots and lots of uh, kutis, or cabins in the woods. And he would say, go into the woods, you know, find a kuti, sit and walk, and let nature reveal your nature. Practice until nature reveals your nature. And that's often, certainly my experience, going outside, the natural world uh, is like a mirror in a certain way. It's one of the reasons I subtitled my first book, Awaken the Wild, Mindfulness and Nature as a Path of Self-Discovery, in that we can self-discover, self-realize, um, so much about the nature of our own being, even though we're primarily oriented outward to the natural world, to the senses. It actually reveals our own nature also. And so, you know, and again, so over time, as we practice, in the same way that we practice mindfulness, that certain understandings, qualities become, Stable, established, available, accessible, simple. And one of the things I've always found interesting about the Zogchen lineage, particularly, and also the Mahamudra lineage, which is a similar lineage, similar body of teaching, different different lineage, different teachings, but also pointing to the nature of mind, is that they, those both of those traditions point to a lot of very beautiful exalted states and characteristics of awareness in the mind and they also say and it's also just ordinary awareness it's just ordinary mind it's ordinary awareness not separate from that which is listening not separate from not different from that which is knowing right now So, and maybe as you're hearing, as I'm talking, that sounds like there's some paradox in all of this. And there is, and so much of dharma teachings and dharma practice is one of learning to be with and hold paradox. Here we are busy cultivating mindfulness and presence and attention and wakefulness. And then the teacher's saying, it's already here. It's the nature of your mind. Why make any effort if it's already here? And it's the essence of who you are. These are paradoxical. <clears throat> In a lot of mindfulness practice and teaching, the instruction is to attend to experience, to attend to phenomena, to attend to the foundations of mindfulness, to body, to feeling tone or vedana, to mind and its objects, to the heart and mental activity, to thoughts, to sensation, to experience, to people, to the world. Right? Much of mindfulness practice is, is a moment-to-moment attentiveness to experience. It's how we establish and cultivate present-moment attention, how we cultivate Mindfulness here and now. And yet sometimes that that attending can feel uh, separating, can feel dualistic, can feel like I'm here, whoever the I is, and I'm paying attention to a sound, say, over there. Awareness is here, mindfulness is here, ears here and sounds over there. Our body here and, and eyes are here and sight is over there. And so, or when we're attending to the breath, it can be, you know, there can be a sen- artificial sense of um, an observer, a watcher, the noticer, separate from experience. Separate from that which is known, and perhaps you felt that in yourself. Sometimes it can be feel like we're becoming a little detached or removed, or separate from experience. And all these ways of cultivating mindfulness through attending to the body, to the senses, to experience—very, very important powerful ways to cultivate mindfulness, cultivate attention, cultivate present moment awareness. And we can also, which is what we're doing on this retreat, from this point on really, bring more attention to that which is knowing, to that which is aware, that which is present, that which is wakeful, that which is knowing experience, that which is illuminating experience. So it was that phrase that I think I mentioned from Joseph where um, you would ask the question as a reflection or as an instruction in practice, sounds being known, Known by what? Sensations being known. Known by what? Thoughts being known. Known by what? What is knowing all of these things, right? We attend to the body and the breath and thought and emotions and sounds, but we often give very little attention to the quality of knowing itself that which is aware itself it's a bit like when i'm leading i lead a sunrise meditation every morning have done since the beginning of the pandemic um since march i'm about to come up to my one year anniversary of offering teachings every day five days a week sitting out you can see i've got a window out there i hop out the window and i've got a little rooftop uh that i sit on and i'm almost coming up to you some of you come on to that uh Teaching every morning, Evelyn and others, um, and, um, and I point sometimes to you know so so where I sit the the, the, sun, the morning sun comes up and it lights up this beautiful uh, pine tree and oak tree that I sit beside, and and the, the, the metaphor in this context is you know we attend you know we attend with mindfulness to the tree, to the light, to the sun. And in what I'm pointing to is attending to the sun itself, not that which is being illuminated by the sun. So awareness illuminates experience, allows us to know experience, you could say. But we rarely pay attention to that which is knowing. Achen Jom used to call this uh, also, a Thai forest teacher, uh, Mahasati, great Sati, great awareness. Achan Cha, also in the Thai forest lineage, called this original mind or the one who knows. Or one of his leading uh, students, Achan Sumedho, had a beautiful phrase. He says, Be the knowing, not the things that are known. Be the knowing, not the things that are known. So as we cultivate mindfulness, over time, we're strengthening that quality of knowing, strengthening that quality of awareness. And there's the way that we can, I was gonna say expedite, it's not really the right word, but um, support that process by understand, learning to understand the nature of awareness itself by by attending to and knowing the awareness itself and and attuned to this natural knowing, this natural wakeful presence. So there's a exercise that I often teach. I haven't taught it this retreat, but I'll do it now. And um, just to illuminate this point a little, so we're gonna do a a little exercise and um, it might be the hardest thing you do all retreat. So pay attention. And we'll only do it for a minute. And the instruction for the exercise is to not be aware. Don't pay attention. Don't be mindful. Don't notice anything. Don't make any effort and see what happens. We have a minute. I'll time it. Simply sit and not be aware, not be mindful, not notice anything. Relax, eyes open, eyes closed, doesn't matter. Okay, that was a bell for those of you not noticing anything. (laughs) So... Just curious, you're welcome to write in the chat what happened in that period of not noticing anything? What did you notice even though you weren't noticing? What were you aware of even though you were, the instruction was not to be aware? So feel free to write something in the chat if that feels... Okay, so Karina noticed everything. Laugh out loud. I don't want you really on. Awareness is natural. Lots of efforting. It's a trap. All right, the teacher's busted. It's a trap. <laughs> what else? Please keep writing. Notice I wasn't noticing. Right, you notice you weren't noticing. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's a great, great awareness, Rochelle. Um, lots of noticing, awareness heightened, right? So even when we try not to be aware, awareness is awaring, if awaring can be a verb. I wish it was, it sounds weird, but it's, it's kind of, it is what it, it's doing, it's awaring. Um It was a nice break from trying to be mindful, right? So I'm going to really be inviting this quality of naturalness. It's impossible not to be aware. Awareness is just the nature, the function of this mind being. It happens by itself. We don't have to struggle to be aware awareness is always aware of something and so then that begs the question what is awareness aware of right if we if we if we care about awareness and mindfulness and noticing then what is this awareness aware of what is it attending to and so then we, we that's when we you know so i think so much of the buddha's teaching was about noticing that noticing the habits and tendencies of the mind and attention and that's partly why that teaching about inclining the mind inclining the attention and one of the main places our attention goes to fixates on is To our mind, to our thinking mind. As you know, you've probably been noticing a few thousand thoughts (laughs) this retreat. Just, Just as the sound the ears have heard thousands of sounds and the lungs have felt thousands of breaths, and so our mind has thought thousands of thoughts. Not wrong, not a problem, just to notice where what pulls the attention and so with mindfulness practice with that self-knowing we can be more choiceful more wakeful about where what we're attending to so so we have this innate quality of awareness it's innate to our minds And yet, this knowing awareness is a mystery. Like right now, pay attention to awareness. What do you see? What do you feel? What do you sense? It's a mystery because it's present, palpably present, right? You're all awake and aware but where is it? Invisible, yet here, it has there's a quality of presence to it, quality of knowingness. It has spaciousness within it. It's unobstructed, it's not confined or defined. It's clear, it's open, wakeful. It's empty, empty of any substance, of any selfing, of any limitation. And at the same time, it's bright, like the sun, luminous. Don't take my words for it, pay attention to your own experience. And so we'll be exploring these, some of these qualities and some of you might be saying, well, who cares? <laughs> so what? <laughs> you know, who cares about that? Well, you know, this journey of Dharma practice is about understanding the human condition, understanding our nature. And one facet of our nature, you could say the central facet of our nature, our Buddha nature, is awareness. Is this capacity to be awake as devon was talking about taking refuge in the buddha taking a refuge in this awake this natural wakefulness in our own minds and so it's a re we can, this can be a refuge in some ways is the ultimate refuge right? perhaps the only true refuge we have is this refuge of awakeness knowing This awareness is what allows us to know our experience, to know the world, to know ourselves, to know each other. And because of that, because of how it allows us to know experience, it's what allows us to have understanding, to have insight about ourselves, about life, about reality. It allows us to be spacious. Many of you talked today about getting entangled with thoughts, with Tech problems with reactions, with judgment, with sleepiness, with many, many things being caught up in your mind, in your meditation, in your life. It's awareness that allows us to disidentify, to to, to, to untangle. As the teaching from Ajahn Samhita it allows us to be the knowing not the conditions that are being known and so we have a spaciousness around things and you know we can use the metaphor of uh, awareness and sometimes use the awareness is like the sunlight that illuminates sometimes like the sky you know we can sense into that sometimes a meditation and Some of you have spoken to that already, the sense of the mind being vast. We close the eyes and it's just spaciousness, openness. And with that spaciousness, we can accommodate everything, all the weather patterns, all the changing um, landscapes, all the storms that blow through our mind and our heart and our body and our life. And awareness just simply here. Just knowing and all the things that are difficult, the, the pain in the body, the, the sounds that you might not like. Maybe you have, like I often have here, a lot of construction and digging and I mean, very jarring sounds. Awareness is unbothered by the sound. And this is a great insight from Achan Cha, who was meditating in, 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 in his practice years and was on the edge of a forest uh in the forest but on the edge of a village and the village was having several days of festivals that go through all through the night and he was trying to meditate and through the night and there's this, sa- this sound of partying and music in the village and he'd find himself getting really annoyed with the villages and, the, and with, the, with the sound and trying you know and, you know getting sort of judgmental and irate and then he realized wait a minute, who? The sound isn't bothering me. It's me and my agitation that's disturbing the sound. And when we can rest just simply in awareness, you know, we can be unbothered, undisturbed. I had that experience being in India when I was, uh, probably my first long retreat, it was a 20-day retreat in Bodhgaya. And um Uh, beautiful Thai monastery on the edge of the village um, which is now quite a bustling town as as Buddhism has become more popular but back then it was a village and this village was sort of in the rice paddies but every uh pilgrim pilgrimage season the 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 village would mushroom and all kinds of markets and you know campsites and things would Grew up around the monastery, and it was actually quite noisy. You know, there thousands of people living in tents, and there was markets, and buses, and trucks, and um, and I also had this, you know, idea of this nice idyllic monastery in Bodh which is where the Buddha got enlightened, very sacred, and it's out in the rice paddies. And but actually, it was cacophonous, <laughs> like all day, trucks and music, and you know, it was like a festival. Really, um, you know, mellow festival. Buddhists, you know, they're kind of mellow. But it was a festival, and there was loudspeakers. And there was one particular loudspeaker across the, the from opposite the the monastery, um, and there was a, a market. And one store had a put the loudspeaker on top of the store, top of the roof of this. It's kind of like a makeshift marketplace, and they were advertising bus tickets. For the mostly for the Tibetan pilgrims who would walk by morning and evening, and so for it seemed like a couple hours at least, or more, if, twice a day, they would put this cassette tape loop on. I'm dating myself because it was in the days of cassette tapes, <laughs> and they would play this little advertising thing, and it would say, Hello, 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 hello. Uh, and some words in Hindi I didn't understand, and then I'd yeah. um, hear Calcutta, Delhi, Darjeeling, Madras, Bombay, and then more words in Hindi, and then stop, and then it would rewind, and then hello, 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 hello. <laughs> Every time i say hello, you know, pick up your attention. Oh, what's that? And it would be the same old loop, and it was loud, and this this, this temple was where it was a concrete, Beautiful, but this concrete room and sound just bounced around everywhere. And I was in, you know, relatively novice meditator, and would get, you know, just really frustrated. <laughs> I'm trying to meditate. Shut up. Let me alone. I'm trying to be peaceful. Stop selling. You're busting it. Just... <laughs> and I'd get really worked up, and then and I'd, I'd be anxious about when it was going to start in the morning after breakfast and afternoon. And so on retreat, as you do, you you have to just sit with stuff. You sit in the middle of your experience and you sit with as much mindfulness as you can. You sit with the reactivity. And you know, over time I began to see, all right, it's just sound. It's just sound. My struggle and suffering and judging and blaming and moaning and complaining. That's just a lot of my stuff. No. that was making the situation way worse than just hearing this, you know, fleeting sound that eventually became funny, you know, and that sort of laugh. And then the power would go off and we'd sort of miss it because like, oh, where's the, where's the, you know, where's the market trader? And, um, you know, and we get to see that, you know, from the perspective of awareness and is like the sky can hold anything, accommodate any weather. In the same way we... We can bring that same spaciousness to the mind. Sometimes we get really antagonistic and tight and caught, frustrated with our thoughts and our distractions and our fixations and our fantasies. And and other times we can more rest and awareness and just see, oh, it's just thought. It's just, I don't get bothered by sounds happening or, you know, sights happening and, Why get bothered by thought? It's just thought. This is from Suzuki Roshi, great Zen teacher. He says, when you're practicing meditation, do not try to stop your thinking. Let it stop by itself. If something comes into your mind, let it come in and let it go out. It will not stay very long. When you try to stop your thinking, it means you're bothered by it. Try not to be bothered by anything. It appears that it's coming from outside your mind, but actually it's only the waves of your mind. And if you're bothered by the waves, gradually they'll become calmer and calmer. Many sensations come, many thoughts and images arise, and they're just waves of your mind. Nothing comes from outside your mind. If you leave your mind as it is, it will become calm. This mind is called big mind, big mind, spacious mind, knowing mind, presence of mind. So, and that's what we—that's why the meditations so powerful. We sit in that big mind. We sit in that spaciousness. At least with that the orientation, and we just see the whole sideshow coming passing through i remember in you know early years in my practice i used to get i used to get really bothered by things by my thoughts by my sleepiness i used to hate being sleepy No, i want to be bright i want to be clear gotta be like this gotta be like that and it's, you know practice long enough it's just like it's just stuff it's just phenomena thoughts feelings ups and downs bliss and pain just just movement of the mind. And we rest in that spaciousness that's actually the source of peace. And of course, as meditation is a preparation both for life and for death, as we come to abide more deeply in this knowing presence, this clarity of awareness, it attunes us to... The deathless, right, to that which is doesn't come and go, to that which isn't born or dies. You know, Buddha talked of this as the unborn, the deathless, the undying. Right? And awareness is a uh, um, points us to that knowing of the deathless. Is a great quote, if I can see if I can pull it up here from Mahabodhi, who is also another great uh, Thai meditation master, also quite fierce. He said, although, phenomena, although all phenomena without exception fall under the laws of impermanence and satisfactoriness and not self, the true nature of the, mind, of the mind does not fall under these laws. The natural power of the mind itself is that it knows and does not die. The deathless is something that is beyond disintegration. The natural, power, the natural power of the mind itself is that it knows and does not die. And then we can sense into this deathless quality itself of the mind, simply here, neither coming nor going, neither being born into this moment or dying out of this moment, becomes what the Buddha called the peace beyond conditions. Simply here. Like the sky simply here, neither coming nor going. So in some ways, as we understand and abide more in awareness, it's like a homecoming. It's like we learn to rest at home in ourselves. It's like the wave understanding it's the ocean. We are these unique expressions. And yet at the same time, we're also part of, the one ocean. <laughs> so yes, as the ocean, you know, births these waves, seemingly separate and distinct, but really just one expression of the ocean. What else can arise as we learn to abide in awareness is we can feel into... Uh, We can feel into the not separate nature of experience. We can feel an intimacy with experience, how awareness isn't separate from anything that's being known. In fact, they kind of emerge together. So as I'm talking, as you're listening and letting these words in, some of them might be landing, some of them might be making sense, some of them might not be making sense. And you just kind of, just just notice what lands, what makes sense, what what speaks to you, and just let the rest go. I'll close with this. Um, actually, a couple of other things I want to say. I was going to close. Um let me just think about that for a second. Do I want to? Oh. Hmm. Well, no, there's, there's, I'll, I'll say a couple more things. So um, there's an interesting teaching in the Tibetan tradition that uh, it's four reasons why we don't recognize the nature of mind. We don't recognize the nature of mind this awareness, this ever-present, luminous knowing. And four reasons. One is it's too close. Awareness is so close, closer than our own breath, that it's it's like the fish trying to see the water it swims in. It's just the substance we live in, so we don't recognize it because it's so intimate, so here, so familiar, and yet unnoticed. And the second reason is because it's too simple, it's too ordinary. You know, as I said, it's often called ordinary awareness. So what's the big deal? Ordinary awareness, that which is knowing. Here, a sound is known. Too simple. And yet, the third reason is too profound, too wondrous, too mysterious. Okay? When I ring this bell. <coughs> Knowing is there. Presence is there. No effort, no struggle, no trying, no separation. Amazing, wondrous. So too profound, too deep and too and too amazing. So let me just reflect for yourself those four things too close, too simple, too profound, too amazing or wondrous. What is it that may be reasons for you not noticing this ever-present, luminous nature of mind? And since we don't recognize it, what happens is we seek outside of ourselves. This poem from Han Shan, he says, a Chinese poet, he says, if you look for the truth outside of yourself, it gets further and further away. You look for the truth outside of yourself, it gets further and further away. Today, I see him everywhere I step. He is the same as me, yet I am not him. Only if you understand it in this way will you merge with the the way things are. If you look for the truth outside of yourself, seeking it. Another teacher, um, third Zen Patriarch says, if. Those who do not seek it here, seek it afar. What a pity, not knowing it's right here. All beings are from the very beginning, Buddhas, as Hakuin, another great Zen teacher, said. Without human beings, no Buddhas. So this this is some way of attuning to our Buddha nature, this natural, wakeful, presence that we can take refuge in, that we can know, that we can learn to establish ourselves through through this practice, through this recognition. So I'll close with a quote from another Tibetan teacher. It says, imagine a sky, empty, spacious, and pure from the beginning. The nature of the mind, its essence is like this. So let me just close your eyes and I'll just walk you through this. Imagine a sky, empty, spacious, and pure from the beginning. Its essence is like this. This is the nature of your mind. Imagine a sun, luminous, clear, unobstructed, and spontaneously present. Its nature is like this. It's the nature of awareness, luminous, brightly shining, clear, unobstructed. Imagine the sun shining out impartially on all things, in all directions. Responsive. Like this. Nothing can obstruct it and it pervades everywhere. So as we bring our day of practice to a close, sensing into this Natural knowing, as we explored in that exercise, we just simply pause, soften, relax, without trying to do anything. Simply sensing what's here. This There's a wakefulness, there's a knowing, there's a clarity, there's a spaciousness, there's an illuminating quality allows us to rest in this natural knowing quality of mind. Thank you for your attention this afternoon or this evening, depending on where you are. So as I said, these words are their offerings and um, the meditations, their reflections. and we'll be exploring a lot of what I've been saying. In the next few days, what I'm pointing to through meditation, through the talks. And so, you know, so we're starting from this ground of mindfulness, grind, ground of simple, ordinary attention. And then learning to expand, to just also include and be aware of that which is knowing. That which is mindful, that which is awareful, that which is awareing. And so as you uh, move into your evening, um, whatever that might be, so we'll, we'll end our formal Together, time here in a minute, and you have time to, you know, prepare your food or go outside for a walk or stretch or get some exercise. Um, See, you know, maintain this quality of curiosity about the, the nature of awareness itself. It's naturally allowing you to be present, to be taking in visually what's here, to be knowing what's arising in your body, in your heart, in your mind. As you prepare your food, as you eat, as you walk, as you rest, as you exercise, again, just both noticing what's happening and noticing the knowing, noticing the presence, the awareness that's allowing you to know experience without doing any mental gymnastics. And just like when I ring the bell for that sound, right? Your ear hears the sound. And knowing is happening. Known by what? What is that knowing? What is that mystery that allows us to know a sound when, you close, when you're in meditation, you open your eyes, and the seeing, and all this color and form and light, what allows that to be known? Aside from the physical sensory apparatus, right, there's clearly an ear and eyes and all of that, skin to touch. What is knowing that, making sense of that? So this is the, the heart of uh, practice and the heart of this retreat and um, a very rich field of exploration and hopefully also fun and juicy and interesting and illuminating. Mm. So, and it's just a slight refraction of the lens, as I said, using that metaphor of the sunlight, we're mostly attendant to the that which the sunlight is illuminating. Right, we see the light, you know, in dawn, for example, and, and I watch dawn every morning because I wake up early and I watch the the light, and the, the darkness turn into light, and uh, light touch the the water and the hills and the buildings and The the world starts to take form through that light. So our attention goes to what's being illuminated and not so much to what's doing the illuminating, that light of awareness. So that's just a slight shift of the attention. All right, my friends. So we in on the schedule, as you may have seen on the Spirit Rock homepage, we've added some suggested sits, an early morning sit from seven thirty to eight in the morning. Um, so when you wake up and you do whatever you do, stretch whatever and then you know sit by yourself for half an hour or more and then breakfast or snack or whatever and then join us at nine and same for this evening um to um take some time to eat and rest and stretch whatever and then close your evening with some more practice sitting or maybe sitting walking sitting depending on how much time energy you have um and i would suggest to do uh, have the evening practice have a heartful quality. So those of you familiar with loving kindness, with compassion practice, do some kind of matter practice. Or at least infuse your practice with some warmth and friendliness and kindness. And like so. So maybe just for a little... Curiosity, how about we do another three-word check-in? So just take a moment, sense yourself with this with this knowing quality of awareness that's illuminating your experience. Just take a moment, sense your body. One word that describes how the body is in this moment for yourself, just quietly. And sensing your heart. One word that describes emotional state, quality. And then sensing your mind, one word that uh, describes the quality of the mind in this moment, however imperfect that one word is. And then if you wouldn't mind, uh, just putting that, writing that in the chat box, And we'll see the variety of experience. Tired, calm, tired. (laughs) Full, full, full. Self, gentle, full. So... Of things. So, bodies alive, tingly, tired, unified, still, shining, quiet. Hearts are soft, tender, content, open, heavy, happy, curious, quiet. And the minds are sleepy, sleepy, (laughs) open heavy calm cloudy curious calm curious lots of c words (laughs) calm cloudy curious (laughs) so you know and it doesn't matter how any of that is we might have a preference how we that is but from the perspective of awareness just more weather moving through and then you know responding appropriately if the body's tired rest if the body's hungry eat if the mind's busy take a walk get some fresh air or whatever so more things coming in all right friends blessings thank you for your practice today and we will see you tomorrow morning at nine have a lovely evening and uh, see you in the morning thanks